Hello, friends, and welcome to Brainworms, the podcast that's here to advise you on your finances, stocks, bonds, the uh, 401k, Warhammer 40k, other financial matters. Uh, what? I feel like I'm only really qualified to talk about one of those, and I work in a bank. Yeah. Yeah, I just checked out. What what did he say again? Uh, we're we're rebranding. <laughs> we're like a money advice podcast now, like how to manage your uh, your finances and like your stock portfolio. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, listeners, anything we tell you to do is bad <laughs> idea. In fact, consider that anything we tell you to do, you might want to do the opposite of. Yeah. What you want to do is cash your whole paycheck. Uh, you definitely don't want to send all of your money to <laughs> us. That's, that's, don't do that. Yeah, that will give you good karma, which will then cause you to uh, profit if you send all of us your money via patreon.com. We should start the show. I'm Joe. I'm David. I'm Kane. And uh, the Christmas magic continues. Bah humbug. If I recall correctly, this should be, you should be hearing this on Christmas morning or the day after. How does time work? I don't care. <laughs> Not linearly. No, no. If anything, it's a flat circle. That uh, we're going to take a break from the incredibly spicy content from the last couple of episodes with it's never been so horny, just very horny. Yeah, yeah, just genitals a flopping in the in the crisp winter snow. It's our way of ensuring a white Christmas and making sure the stockings get stuffed. Mm-hmm. Bah humbug. <laughs> oh man. Well, just make sure that the, our listeners wrap their packages. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to be stop yeah. stocking some. St- that stocking some stuffings. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be stuffing some stockings, make sure you wrap your presents. That's right. Yeah, we're reading a Never Buy Your Child a Noisy Toy, A Christmas Tale of Terror, which Kane and I picked out almost at random. It was pretty random. Because it sounded weird. Apparently, it's it's a scary Christmas story? Maybe? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I mean... Giving a child a noisy toy uh-huh. is pretty terrifying. I'm going to buy your kid a drum set. She already has one. No, always buy your friends and your family members' children drum sets, but never buy your own child a drum set. Exactly. By author Edwin Eve, who, as far as I can tell with the research that I've done, published this short story on December 6, 2015 through Amazon.com. And then completely cease to exist from the author world. <laughs> this is the only record of this person's existence I could find. Yeah, that's that's a mystery. I'm going to go with yeah. Edwin Eve was probably kidnapped for knowing too much and taken to a secured facility. Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah. I, Where were you in mid-December 2015, David? I am legally not allowed to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> also, I can't actually remember. Yeah, it was so long ago. Yeah. It's Jesus Christ. Is it still March? Yeah, it is. I hadn't been created yet, so. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't invented in 2015. So, I mean, I guess there's not a lot of preamble. Just to inform you, we have a patreon.com slash brainworms podcast. And a Discord server, if I'm correct. We have one of those now. Yeah, I mean, you can get to all of this at wegiveyoubrainworms.com. Wegiveyoubrainworms.com? We give yeah, wegiveyoubrainworms.com. Wow. 
That sounds like a website. It, it is. And it gives you <laughs> access to our Patreon, our Discord community channel. And if you would like to avoid commenting on YouTube because you want a more personal conversation, uh, there's a yell at us button on the website that will allow you to directly message us and say terrible, terrible things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or, you know, suggest books that we might read. If you yeah. know of a particular terrible book you'd like to see us eviscerate. I mean, we're not probably not going to read it, but you can at least feel involved. You never know. We might. We'll consider it. And we're on most of the important social media platforms. Although I think the kids are all on like TikTok now. So I, I think. Yeah, we're just... David, we're going to need you to start uh, doing the TikToks. Yeah. Can you make TikToks, David? Absolutely. My dance moves will be fire. Awesome. Awesome. Because we, we need to have a presence on that app for the uh, 14 to 20 audience that definitely listens to this show. Oh, yeah. I tell you, every time I'm hanging out with the kids, they tell me <laughs> how much they like those brain worms. Yeah. So I just want to, because I, I just decided uh -huh. to take a look at this. We got some new uh -huh. messages on the brain worms. Are they just robots? Yell at or are us? they actual? The first one is the name is Leverage, uh -huh. and the message is Handmade Concrete Mouse. Okay. Huh. And then the next one is Revolutionize, and then the message is Fuchsia. So, like, somebody knows that I hate Fuchsia. Why do you hate? I feel like I, I'm surprised that you hate Fuchsia. That seems like a color that you would like. I mean, I actually, I'm fine with Fuchsia. I just hate when it's mixed with teal. Okay, oh. that's fair. Those colors don't really go together all that well. It's a very popular color mixture in the 90s, though. But also, what in the hell? Yeah. Like, obviously, this these are some kind of bots. Maybe. I feel like Butcher Block has talked about the fuchsia lighting in the first, like, four films. That's that, true. That we covered. Or some kind of weird Zodiac killer character has specifically glommed on to what we're doing and is taunting us about their crimes in some sort of code hey joe have you ever heard of occam's razor yeah now if we were to apply occam's razor to this situation uh-huh what would you think is the correct answer that it's probably a bot doing it okay i just, just my immediate thought was that we've probably unintentionally caught the attention of like azatoth or <laughs> <laughs> niarlathotep yeah 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 Definitely uh, some kind of elder god or great old one is now mm -hmm. looking at us with his baleful eye. Sure. And, uh, well, we're all doomed. Doomed and made concrete mouse. Concrete mouse. That's a weird secret. And, and what like, I want to know, huh? mm -hmm. what, what I really want to know is concrete mouse like a rodent or concrete mouse like computer peripheral Ooh, neither of those things would be very good for their intended purpose yeah i mean mice are very small so like a decorative concrete mouse would for your lawn or garden yeah yeah that'd yeah. be all right yeah i was thinking the animal and it was just heavy and <laughs> not nimble at all um well i'm glad we went down this road together yeah i mean i'm a little creeped out yeah, and I don't have Kapchka turned on, so like if we're just getting if we're just getting these bots, then like I kind of like it because it. Well, I mean, it's not a message board, right? So it's not a thing that like there's only ever going to be you know four to five people that are ever going to see these messages. That's true. Right. That's so. true. And you know, I uh, 
I yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I but you mean if you guys want, I'll turn Capchka on. I just have to learn how to do it. <laughs> right, that's okay. We'll we'll just keep getting these unsettling. <laughs> random word salad emails because the way i've got the form set up it's your name uh-huh. your email and then your message so the name was leverage uh-huh. the email was jdlr sammy at hotmail or something like that sure and then the message was handmade concrete mouse <laughs> i wonder i mean these are clearly or at least Fairly clearly, again, you know, Occam's Razor and all that bot mm-hmm. messages. So I wonder what we said that uh, was mouse or concrete related that generated that. Yeah, I don't know. It's like the, the fuchsia thing, you're, you're right. You know, the talking about fuchsia on Butcher Block could have had something to do with that. But I'm wondering if in like a couple of weeks, we're going to start getting a whole bunch of really horny messages God, I hope so. <laughs> All I know is that the other one is the name was revolutionized. Mm-hmm. The email doesn't matter. And the, the message is fuchsia. <clears throat> Join the fuchsia revolution. That's very weird. I guess we should read this Christmas book. I want to yeah, make that a shirt. It. What, I guess we should read this Christmas book? No, revolutionize fuchsia, oh. Joe. God damn. <laughs> Pay attention. I never do. <laughs> All right, yeah, we should read this book. If you want. Never buy your child a noisy toy. A Christmas tale of terror. Yeah, I mean, children are noisy enough on their own. Don't expand on that. Yeah, that's... It depends on how often and how hard you hit them. (laughs) Are you coming down in favor of or against well i mean it depends is the child being quiet mm, at the moment yes all right well there we go brainworms podcast doesn't advocate <laughs> uh, hitting of children regardless of how noisy they may or may not be it's true it's true actually i've I... actually never struck my child in anger what have you struck her in <laughs> uh generally it's we're like roughhousing sure right that makes right sense. sure and yeah. She'll zig when she should have zagged, and I'll accidentally clock the shit out of her. <laughs> and then I almost cry. <laughs> it's funny because I can picture it happening. I, I can picture all of that happening. <laughs> in the edit, I'm going to cut it so that when David says, what have you struck your child in? There's just awkward silence, and then and then I clock the shit out of her. <laughs> <laughs> I guess make me out to be a monster. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. When a child is equally worshipped and feared by its parents, it nearly always becomes monstrous. And Becky Smith is a prime example of the species. Is this like a Damien Omen kid story? That's awesome. I didn't know that's what we were getting into. At the age of three, she has learned that every cry she makes will bring her parents running, every demand will be given into, and that even the threat of a noisy, scene-making tantrum will shower her in sweets and toys. Becky, in short, is a repulsive little blot. She sits on the carpet, staring up at the Christmas tree with glassy eyes. Her chest heaves as the sobs from her most recent tantrum die away, and the tears on her blotchy cheeks are starting to dry. Her mouth, rimmed with sugar, is slack, and her chubby legs stick out from underneath her lace party dress. Look at the lights! 
Mummy says in a strained voice. Look at the pretty lights, Becky. Briefly, the spirit of Christmas enters the three-year-old via the twinkling lights and glitter of tinsel. A tremulous smile flickers across her face, but all too soon Becky's piggy eyes fix on a foil-wrapped chocolate treat dangling from one of the higher branches. She stretches out her arms and wiggles her fingers, but it remains out of reach. Is that a thing people do? They I was put like about that chocolate too. and candies on their tree? No. I, I know like people would hang candy canes on, on their tree. Yeah. But not actual like chocolate candies, I wouldn't think. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to... Listeners, if you're out there, <laughs> um, weigh in. Do you people put chocolate on your Christmas tree? I put chocolate in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. That's where it goes, generally. Or in a cookie. Mm-hmm. Or on uh, some ice cream yeah, for a nice yeah. parfait. For a nice parfait, yeah. This injustice is too much. An anguished shriek erupts from her. Fat tears roll down her cheeks. Spit dangles from her wailing mouth. And her legs and arms thrash in fury. That's been my mood for about the last eight months. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we've all become three-year-olds. Yep. <laughs> well, spoiled three-year-olds. Yeah, only right. I can drink. Well, eh. I mean, three-year-olds can drink too, man. Yeah. Brief aside here, when, when my friend of mine's kid was three, there was a shot of whiskey that was sitting on the coffee table, and this kid just came over. Nobody was actually paying attention. It was just sort of one of those forgotten shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, he... Definitely came over, grabbed it, shot it down, and like <laughs> looked at everyone else, smiled real big, and then immediately passed right the fuck out. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and thus began George's descent into violent alcoholism. <laughs> Uh, Both because George enjoyed it and because mommy and daddy enjoyed the silence. <laughs> hey, that worked really well. Leave out another shot. Would yeah. you? <laughs> Just keep, the, keep those around like Easter eggs. You don't have to use the chloroform on the rag anymore. Yeah, yeah my, uh, my dad actually used to take me to the bar with him. And when I'd get a little bit uppity, he would order me a shot. So there you go. It works. <laughs> responsible business ownership. <laughs> and parenting yeah yeah well you know it's <laughs> it was the 80s yeah <laughs> and then clearly you turned out to be a responsible alive. and functional adult so. <laughs> he's definitely alive <laughs> daddy rushes to the rescue he scoops her up and plucks the chocolate from the tree within seconds becky has her prize her cries lessen but never quite cease there sweetheart says Daddy, babbling pointless, soothing words at her. Shush now, Father Christmas will be coming soon. Think of all those toys being made for you right at this moment. Becky's father would have been astonished to believe that the elves of the North Pole had indeed prepared a toy for his child. He, like all parents, doesn't believe in Father Christmas, and so the idea of elves seems preposterous. I don't understand, and, it, and it's in, you know, like actual Christmas content as well. This idea that like the like all of the Santa Claus lore is real and happens and exists, but like people also simultaneously don't believe in the existence of it. Yeah, it's that sort of metaphor for magic of childhood. Belief. I mean, I, I get it as a metaphor, but it but it, as a literal, it doesn't really hold up. 
to any kind of scrutiny. Well, I mean, the the thing is, is that parents buy gifts. Yeah. And they don't disclose all of them to each other. Mm, that's true. That's a real thing that happens. Yeah, that, so that makes sense. You just assume if something shows up under the tree that you had no involvement in, mm-hmm. you just assume that one of you did because Santa's not fucking real. Sure. Right. When in all reality, he could be fucking real. You know, I'm 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 not a Santa atheist. I'm a Santa agnostic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Santa agnostic. <laughs> which is which is fun because the entire time i've known you you've been aggressively hostile toward the idea of christmas as a thing oh i mean it's because it's an awful holiday Mm -hmm. but that's not what we're talking about let's let david finish this first chapter i don't (laughs) want to he like all parents doesn't believe in father christmas and so the idea of elves seems preposterous but they do exist their true form need not concern you For if you see them as they truly are, it's already too late, but you may have seen one in a more innocent guise. The elves are shapeshifters. They don't make toys, they turn themselves into them. I like where this is going. Yeah, I like this book already. It's perfectly safe to give your little one a doll or a wooden puzzle, but beware of the toys that make noises that jingle, talk, or move. They are the toys that catch children's eyes, and they are the form the elves like the best. We have dolls that walk, talk, laugh, cry, and run a temperature. Perhaps you think you're safe. You don't buy creepy clockwork toys. You buy modern toys from supermarkets and reputable online marketplaces. A plastic bulldozer, costing twenty ninety nine, isn't a threat to anyone. Wrong. It's Becky's Aunt Debbie that buys the toy. Her husband is much richer than Becky's daddy, and Auntie Debbie likes to show off. She stands in the toy aisle and looks carefully at the prices. The most expensive toy is a cuddle-me panda that can talk, play music, and pretend to eat bamboo. When you push the button on its nose, it says, Cuddle me! Kiss me! Or, I love you! That was very unsettling, David. Never do that again. Agreed. Auntie Debbie scoops it off the shelf without a thought and tosses it into the trolley. For the price of £49.79, this is British. (laughs) That's something we've learned here because these prices are all in pounds. That's good context. For the price of £49.79, her vanity has paid for her niece's death and bought agonizing years of questions for her family. She wraps the present in designer silver and white paper and arrives at her sister's house on Christmas Eve in a cloud of expensive perfume. Becky is initially charming, kissing her auntie and posing for pictures, but she soon tires and the tantrums begin. Auntie Debbie and Mummy shelter in the kitchen with a glass of wine. Auntie Debbie is trying to find some way of bringing up the cost of the presents she has brought. At the latest wail from Becky, inspiration strikes. Why don't we let her open her gift, she says. I want to see her little face when she does. Mummy is about to say that there's a strict rule about not opening presents before Christmas in the house. But as Becky's wail becomes a howl, the determination drains away from her. Put your child in the garbage. (laughs) Nope, just a straight jab. (laughs) There'll be a little bit of crying, like extra crying. Yeah. But then when you round up, like wind up for the next one, it stops immediately. Okay. You just straight fit, like just knuckles, you know, just uh, don't curve your fist all the way closed. Just at the first knuckle there, right in the throat. 
I'm not entirely comfortable with the direction this conversation has gone. We could have done sex, but instead, <laughs> we're doing violence, violence towards children. All right, yeah, let's let's move away from that. David, go ahead and tell us the the story about the child that gets murdered by the elf. <laughs> There's no sex in our violence. I see what you did there. Nice. Mummy is about to say that there's a strict rule about not opening presents before Christmas in the house, but as Becky's wail becomes a howl, the determination drains away from her. Becky has already eaten all of the advent calendar windows, already ripped open the first lot of presents tucked under the tree, and most of the chocolate decorations are missing. She'll do anything for a peaceful life. It sucks. Fine, she sighs. For all that Becky is a nasty, spoiled little girl, she's not inherently evil. Ordinarily, she would grow up, gain a sibling, go to school, and the self-entitlement would slowly be leached from her. She may not have grown into a pleasant, saintly adult, but she wouldn't have become the sort of person who reduces a helpless sales assistant to tears, either. Unfortunately, Becky isn't going to grow up at all. She is deposited on the carpet in front of a large wrapped box, and she squeals at this new offering and claps her hands. Everyone is watching her through phone screens that hover in front of their faces, picking up her every expression. Her chubby little hands tear at the paper, and when enough of the box is free, the paper is whisked away. Becky and the Cuddle Me Panda regard each other for a long moment. The Cuddle Me Panda is in a box with a clear film front, tied to the rigid board with a black wire. It's fluffy and brightly colored, with pink and purple fur and a sparkling nose. But its smile is somehow mean. It's a pink and purple panda. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds really kind of charming, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to make one. I, somehow, some way, eventually. We do have a cloning facility in the back, so you... That's can, true. Our next, absolutely not. You can our play next God all you want. No, I have taken over the cloning facilities myself you've if you've noticed your key cards don't work anymore fuck i wondered what was going on with that yeah i'm in direct control of all of my my future clones so. we're gonna have to blow up the moon yeah yeah that's not gonna work either <laughs> shit why did i say that out loud <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just other contingencies on top of contingencies it's when you don't have any legs mm -hmm. and you you don't have the technology to create them yet mm-hmm you just scheme. You get stuck in a spot, and you just scheme. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Well, in the spirit of the holiday season, can you make David a pink and purple panda bear? Let's finish the book, and then we'll talk about it. That's fair. That's fair. It's fluffy and brightly colored, with pink and purple fur and a sparkling nose. Its smile is somehow mean. She doesn't understand what it does, Daddy says, with a hasty glance at Auntie Debbie. I'll take it out of the box. This is a bigger process than planned, and the grown-ups surge toward the thing, tugging at twisty ties and hunting for scissors and batteries. Becky is unusually quiet during this fuss, her eyes never leaving the box that the adults are attempting to prize the toy from. At length, the Cuddle Me Panda and Box are returned to the carpet. She's three years old, and even if she could articulate her uncertainty, she isn't sure. There's something mysterious about the toy. Something she doesn't understand that makes it dangerous. In the same way, she doesn't fully understand Mummy's warnings to stay away from the oven or the washing machine, but knows that it's a rule she should follow. Kids are dumb. The adults are growing impatient with her seemingly indifferent reaction. She just doesn't understand what it is, says Mummy hastily, nervous of upsetting Auntie Debbie. 
Fuck Auntie Debbie. Yeah, for real. Yeah, fuck Auntie Debbie. Under the pressure of the adult's gaze, Becky cautiously shuffles forward and takes hold of the now-empty box. The box feels safer than the bear, and she tips it up over her head, feeling it protect her from the gaze of the cuddle-me panda. The adults, even Auntie Debbie, laugh and take pictures, and for a moment, Becky thinks it's all all right, that it will end there and the bear will be taken away. But it seems like they're determined to eke some reaction out of her. Here, says Daddy. He picks up the cuddle-me panda and thrusts it toward Becky. Go on, sweetheart, take it. In her three tender years of life, Becky has only had one reaction to something she doesn't like. She starts screaming. No matter how much the cuddle-me panda is danced in front of her, she continues to thrash and shriek. That's how I react to things I don't like, too. Same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Makes my work really interesting. Yeah, aren't you just perpetually screaming at, at that point? Yeah, pretty much. It's just like eight hours of just soul-rearing screaming. Sure. I also randomly upload my consciousness into networks, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. random networks. I got to get on that. Yeah. I'm surprised they keep paying you to do that. Upload my consciousness onto random no, networks? No, uh, I scream for an oh, entire... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, honestly, uh, it, it, in absolute sincerity, I think I would prefer that job. Like, just eight hours of screaming sure. every day, all yeah. day, just... Yeah, that, yeah somebody Yeah, at least you can, like, sit there. in a comfortable chair. You pay David right? to scream. Yeah, yeah, someone pay me to scream. I'll do it. Not right now, but, you know... <laughs> Only for money. I'm willing to, you know, get some money put together because I want to see what the time stamp on when you are unable to scream anymore is. I imagine probably sometime within the first 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> some like, yeah, horror not... movie shit, just like screaming until you tear your vocal cords. Yeah. Yeah. I, like that would have to pay really, really well because I'm only going to be able to do it for like half of one day. Yeah. And not even I... half probably Dude, will done. never speak again <laughs> right <laughs> but speaking of of horror let's find out what becky does with this this fucking oh, yeah. bear yeah that'll be fun mummy somewhat desperately snatches the cuddle me panda from daddy she just has to see how it works she pushes the button on the nose and places it on the floor in front of a still crying becky the panda's nose glows and it begins to wiggle its little arms Tinkly music floats toward the screaming three-year-old like a calming wave, and a sweet voice cries, Cuddle me! It's as good as a spell. I'm horrified. At once, Becky's cries (laughs) cease, and her eyes blink slowly, sleepily, as she takes in the movement and the soothing noise. It may not be a rapturous approval of the present, but it's good enough for the surrounding adults who breathe out in relief at being saved from tantrums from both Becky and Auntie Debbie. (laughs) Auntie Debbie sucks. Yeah, Yeah, Auntie Debbie is the worst. I hope she also dies. Wow. Like, that's really all I can hope for here. (laughs) Later, distracted by her haul of Christmas gifts and under no immediate threat, Becky forgets about the Cuddle Me Panda. It sits in her room for weeks biding its time like an unexploded bomb. It's waiting for its moment. All the elf needs is for Becky to touch it, and it can do its magic. It would be a stretch of the imagination to say that the reason parents dislike noisy toys so much is that they subconsciously see them as potential threat to their children. Parents are humans, and therefore the elves and their master consider them to be stupid beasts, of no more threat than the mother of the limping gazelle is to the lion. 
It's fortunate for children, then, that the sheer irritation of their parents often saves them. For a while, it saves Becky, whose mummy fears that if Becky plays with the Cuddle Me Panda too much, she'll hear the tinkly music and the little voice of it in her sleep. To combat this potential threat to her peace, she puts the thing on a high shelf, next to untouched fairy tale books and other toys that have failed to interest Becky. For a while, at least, Becky is safe. Whatever part of her that saw it as a threat in the first place becomes dulled by its constant presence. Life goes on, and Christmas trickles into a slushy January without incident. Unknown to them all, the elf, trapped in its form, begins to worry. An elf only has very limited magic. They have enough power to flick between toy and their true form, but if they stay like that too long, their magic begins to dwindle. For a while, the elf can keep his magic strong by flickering between forms in the dark of night, but he's aware that eventually it will run out. Without the magic of his master, he will be trapped in toy form forever, or worse, fail to perform the one task that his master demands. The elves' devotion to their master is absolute. To die is better than to fail him. It's very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. The elf needs to get close to Becky, but high on the shelf and unwanted by everyone. Ah, <sighs> that's a mood. <laughs> <laughs> high on the shelf and unwanted by everyone. Yep. So many good shirts coming out of this book. Yeah, for real. <laughs> The elf needs to get close to Becky, but high on the shelf and unwanted by everyone, he will never trick the child into touching him. Something has to be done. At first, the plan he has is, he thinks, a good one. He needs to remind everyone that he's there. His plan to do so is very simple. Becky is alone in her bedroom one chilly Saturday morning, not doing much of anything but playing quietly, safe in the knowledge that Mummy and Daddy are both nearby. She has several dolls lined up on the floor, and she's making them walk up and down in turn, having a private talk with them inside the world in her head, and only letting the occasional mutter slip through her lips when she forgets. Lost in her own little world and chattering to herself, she's perfectly content. It's a rare moment when she isn't a blot, a moment that few people ever get to see, one that makes her parents glow with happiness at this reminder that their efforts to please her are somehow worth it. This perfect moment is destroyed when the Cuddle Me Panda, ignored on its high shelf, suddenly cries out, Cuddle Me! And the room is flooded with its tinny music. That horrifies me. <laughs> Never stop doing that. <laughs> Becky screams, and by the time her parents reach her, the music has stopped and her shock has morphed into a full tantrum. Unable to communicate through her tears and howls what has frightened her, she points ineffectually at the toy. Daddy yanks it down from the shelf and thrusts it at her in belief that when something is out of Becky's reach, it's much easier to just give it to her quickly. Its proximity to Becky only increases her screams. The elf, if he had a mouth, would have screamed in frustration himself. He has no mouth and he must scream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they didn't give it a mouth? That's interesting. It speaks. It doesn't have one of those moving Teddy Ruxpin-style mouths? I guess not. Ugh. I mean, this is some sort of like weird Tickle Me Elmo, yeah. Teddy Ruxpin, XP thing. So It's always fun to put other tapes into Teddy Ruxpins. Oh, yeah. Like Metallica Kill Em All? Sure. Or Black Sabbath? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, watching Teddy Ruxpin crank out a badass version of War Pigs was always <laughs> fun. 
Its proximity to Becky only increases her screams. The elf, if he had a mouth, would have screamed in frustration himself. He's inches from his victim. But his magic cannot work in the presence of adults. He's powerless to attack. At Becky's reaction, Daddy hastily shoves the Cuddle Me Panda back onto the shelf, facing the wall, and tries to soothe his daughter. Trapped back on the shelf, the elf seethes. That's a tough sentence to say. Yeah, it sounded it like it. Yeah. <laughs> January leaks into February, and the elf is desperate. He has enough magic left to see him until the end of the week, but Becky is as frustratingly out of reach as ever. He risks changing form to move to another part of the room, but this is foiled by Mummy noticing that the Cuddle Me Panda is out of place at once, whilst on a hoovering circuit of the house. The elf is placed back on the shelf and doesn't dare risk trying it again. He has, at most, two changes left in him. If the next plan doesn't work, he'll die trapped in the form of Cuddle Me Panda, having failed to serve his master. For an entire day, an entire night, he sits and thinks. Elves don't have that much brain power. <laughs> the plan comes to him in the middle of the day, and he relaxes, knowing that he needs to wait until night until his plan can take place. It will surely work. It has to. The elf waits until the clock ticks agonizingly close to three o'clock in the morning. The house is quiet with just a trickle of light from the street and the passing roar of the occasional car. Becky, in her short, child-sized bed, sleeps quietly, her slow breathing broken only by the occasional snuffle or huff as she moves. Did we need both of those adjectives? Snuffle and huff? No, uh, short and child-sized. Oh, right. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, either or. Yeah. At three o'clock exactly, the elf, concentrating hard, turns back to his true form. If someone was watching the Cuddle Me Panda... They would see the soft pink and purple form of the bear shift. It isn't a slow transformation. It is instant, as quick as the snap of a mousetrap, and yet utterly silent. The form now sitting on the shelf, still facing the wall, is still the approximate size of the Cuddle Me Panda, but looks completely different. He's monkey-like in shape, only with leathery, gray skin. Oh, God. So dried out and bony. That he seems shrunken. His face is pointed, his eyes are dark as coal, and his arms are stretched but yet strong, despite the absence of visible muscles. His fingers are twice the length of a human's, and his feet are designed to grip the floor, meaning that even a strong child couldn't escape his hold. Well, that's Terrifying. Pretty, pretty creepy, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty upsetting. In one easy movement, the elf grips the edge of the shelf and swings down dropping the remaining few inches to the carpeted floor. It moves in a bouncy way, a fast hop, hop, hop across the room, and up onto the bedside table where it peers down at Becky, who is asleep, thumb in mouth, and oblivious to the monster leering over her. All he has to do is reach down and wrap his long fingers around Becky's wrist, and his job will be done. His mission to serve his master will be complete. Do it. He leans forward. But unfortunately, he leans too far and crashes into the lamp, sending it onto the floor and waking Becky up. She screams at the unexpected noise what and there's a, a thudding asshole. from across the hallway as both parents' feet hit the floor in their race to reach their daughter. There is no choice for the elf but to transform back into the Cuddle Me Panda. His master warned what would happen if an adult ever saw him, 
death will be nothing, nothing at all, compared to what will happen if they ever see you. An entire cavern filled with elves had listened to their master explain in gory details what he would do to them, should any of them ever be so lax as to be caught. But I don't think you fully understand, their master had said. He'd pointed one red, blood-stained finger to the nearest elf and snatched him up. The elf, dangling from their master's giant hands, had squeaked in delight at this unexpected attention. They'd watched with darkly shining eyes as their master had taken one finger with its sharp, pointed nail and sliced it across the stomach of the helpless elf. The elf, still lost in chemical pleasure at their master's touch, didn't notice for one long, sickening moment until its guts spilled out onto the blood-stained cavern floor. Nice. <laughs> Eat! Their master roared over the helpless elf's wimps of terror. Eat him, and learn what awaits any of you that fail me. Slowly, dread-filled, the closest elves crept forward and raised the hot red guts to their mouths. They started to gnaw and soon, eager to please their master, the elves had been fighting each other for the remains of their dead comrade. This is not the jolly Christmas tale that I was promised. <laughs> <laughs> Be happy, the master murmured to the twitching, dying elf in his hands. You've died serving me. The elf, in its dying breath, sighed in pleasure, and their master dropped its body to the floor where their frenzy to feed from it and learn their lesson increased. Between them, they'd eaten every scrap of their fellow elf, and the unlucky ones at the back who hadn't got a piece wept as they could only lick the traces of blood from the floor. The elf still remembers the taste in his mouth, remembers the wet crunch of the bone he'd gnawed. With that lesson still ringing in his mind, the elf doesn't think twice about changing form as the footsteps approach the bedroom. When Becky's mummy and daddy burst into the room and flick on the main light, they see only Becky, sobbing in her bed and the lamp on the floor. On the bedside table is the innocent-looking figure of the Cuddle Me Panda. There, there, cries Mummy. You must have knocked the lamp in your sleep. There's no harm done. Perhaps fully awake, Mummy's sharp eyes would have noticed the toy, but it's the middle of the night, and all she wants is to hush her child and get some rest. It's at this very moment that Becky's future is decided. Oh. As we have established, Becky is a thorough blot. Though that may or may not be her fault, a blot she is. If she had been a nicer child, less spoilt, less demanding, the events might have taken a different turn. But this is a tragedy, and therefore, Becky brings about her own downfall. As we all do. Indeed. It is a tragedy. Fun aside, do you know where the word tragedy comes from? I feel like I should, but I don't off the top of my head. I mean, it's, it's from the Greek tragoidos, mm. which loosely translated means goat song. Huh, that's fun. Yeah, so there's something there about uh, Pan being the god of mirth and right. sadness, yeah. you know? So, yeah, goat song. Apparently it's... the bleeding of goats, you know, the... Sounds enough like crying that uh, Tragoidos Goat Song became sure. tragedy. Why isn't Goat Song a sad boy folk punk band? Uh, I'm sure it is, Joe. It, I'm, I'm more surprised that you aren't one of their biggest fans. I'm going to start a folk punk sad boy group <laughs> called Goat Song. Someone needs to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Joe will add it to his Josh Ritter Bright Eyes playlist. Oh my God. Why do you like this? <laughs> None of that is folk punk. It's true. Yeah, that's not what folk punk But is. it is sad boy. It is um, sad boy. Yeah. You make it really hard to be your friend sometimes. I don't know if you're aware of that. I have friends. <laughs> yeah, just interests. Like a merit. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, Jesus. Kissinger. Yeah. Fuck Henry Kissinger. <laughs> yeah. He should be punished for war crimes. It's true. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. a war criminal. Yeah. Ah, we're going to get comments. But, you know, enough about that. Let's talk about uh, happier things like a <laughs> child getting eaten by a Christmas elf. Sure. If a sobbing, sniffling Becky had accepted that these things happen, and that all in all she is perfectly safe and just a little startled from the sudden noise, she would have allowed Mummy and Daddy to soothe her and she'd have fallen asleep in a few simple minutes. The Cuddle Me Panda would have sat forgotten on the side, unable to turn back without being touched, and as the hours passed its magic would have trickled away, leaving Becky with a harmless toy. But Becky, the established blot, can't merely accept that sometimes bad things happen. She has been disturbed, and she will not rest until everyone around her is punished for this crime. It's, it's like the tiny version of Cain. <laughs> <laughs> Bombug. You're a mean one, Mr. Cain. It's true. Yep. She screams and wails and thrashes her pudgy little legs until Daddy, in despair, snatches up the Cuddle Me Panda and presses the nose. Cuddle me! The toy cries out in its babyish voice. The tinkling music starts up again. The effect, as before, is instant. Becky's eyes widen as if hypnotized and her mouth slackens. The tears are still in her wet eyes, but they do not fall. The tantrum dissipates and sleep settles back over her. Mummy and Daddy share a relieved look and keep pressing the Cuddle Me Panda's nose as the music and friendly voice lull their child back to sleep. At last, Becky's head slumps into the pillow and Mummy tucks the Cuddle Me Panda in next to her sleeping daughter before they edge backwards from the room like exulting worshippers leaving the presence of their god. That's, that's a nice turn of phrase. That's awesome yeah, yeah that, that's a wonderful like very vivid description of how parents leave the room of their child mm -hmm. trapped in the form of the toy the elf practically trembles at the possibility his plan might still work he's fading he only has hours to live but the room is empty and dark again all he needs is for becky to touch him he has enough magic left for this he waits there's a sliver of space between them he rests on the pillow next to a snuffling Becky. All he needs is for her to mumble in her sleep, to shift slightly and hold out a hand, latching on to the thing next to her. One touch. One touch is all it takes. He waits. It seems to take forever. What if it doesn't work? His magic is fading even now. What if it's fading faster than he thinks? What if he dies now, seconds before completing his goal for his master, his only purpose in life? We believe in you, Elf. Reach out, he thinks fiercely. Touch One touch. Touch me! <laughs> Reach out, he thinks fiercely. One touch. One touch. Becky's last peaceful dreams are, oddly enough, of Father Christmas. A man she has heard a good deal about. Mummy had tried to tell her that the man in the shop was Father Christmas, but she'd been scared of him. 
The Father Christmas in her dreams is safe and twinkling and smells like Christmas trees, and like all of the safe grown-ups around her who give her whatever she wants. The only Father Christmases I've been around smell like Jack Daniels and vomit. That's not Father Christmas. That's just Father. Uh, I got it mixed Your up. Your dad's an alcoholic. That's, oh, that's, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I just assume I that it's true it. of every father. Yeah. In her dream, Father Christmas is on his sleigh and she is standing next to it. He holds out his hand to pull her up into the sleigh to take her to the North Pole and see his workshop, and Becky reaches out in her sleep to take his hand. Her hand makes contact with the Cuddle Me Panda. The shock of the touch isn't what yanks her back to wakefulness, but the sudden shift under her hands from soft synthetic fur to leathery hot skin. She feels a tightness around her wrist. A strong hand clamping around it hard enough to crush her. Creepy. Yeah. Becky never has a chance to wake up properly, though. The moment of wakefulness after the sudden movement is all that she gets. It is her last moment of life in this world, and the start of her existence in the next. The elf's magic explodes from within him. He has one purpose and one purpose only, to get this child to his master. The last of his magic burns through him reducing him to ash as the force of it catapults Becky from this world into the next realm. It's not death. It's a living world, but it's certainly a step closer to death than Becky has ever experienced. In the next instant, Becky realizes with a thud that she's now properly awake and in something that doesn't feel at all like her soft, lovely bed. The only light comes from a bonfire in the middle of the room that Becky finds herself in. It's huge, cavernous, and the walls stretch upward, higher than anything Becky has ever experienced. The walls, from floor to ceiling, are covered in cages, each about two foot high and two foot wide. It's the fucking border to Mexico. Yep. <sighs> We made ourselves sad. Yup. Ah, too real. I just stay too there. Too real. It's fair. The walls from floor to ceiling are covered in cages, each about two foot high and two foot wide. It's in one of these cold cages that Becky finds herself. Her back is cold and her front is roasting from the heat of the fire. Despite the heat, she inches forward to see better. All around her are cries and weeping, and she thinks she can just make out moving figures in the cages opposite her. In front of the cages are little walkways, as if something is going to walk up and down in front of them. There doesn't seem to be anyone about, though, and Becky begins to panic. She wants to be at home with her mummy and daddy. This is not where she wants to be. But there aren't any adults to demand to be taken home, too. Almost as she has the thought that she needs to find a grown-up, the enormous doors to the cavern open, and a man enters the room. He's huge. The largest man Becky has ever seen. He's a great, hulking beast with a dirty beard and a red, shaggy coat. His big boots clomp as he enters the room, and small figures scurry around his feet, squeaking in high, desperate voices. That could describe most of the cast of this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have been... Shit, I think I actually have a red coat. Oh, shit. And several small cats that scurry around my feet. So, <laughs> squeaking in high, desperate voices. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, my robe is red. Oh, there you go. Next time I put on my robe, I'm going to just... Uh, 
I've become the Satan Santa. <laughs> I guess you're going to have to kill children. Like, I don't see any way around it. Or just keep them in cages. Sure. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, if you're going to cage them, like, they're, they're, you're going to have to consume them eventually. Right. Like, why even have them around if you're not going to eat them? I mean, I've, I've long said, and I, I hold to this, that if I were going to be a cannibal, if I'm not, but if I were going to be a cannibal, I would never go free range. I think that's just fucking up. Like, you can't go free range and go hunting humans that are out there consuming the things that humans eat. You you have to take them when they're young and kind of veal them. This is going to be played in a courtroom someday. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if, not... Hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. For, for the movie that I'm writing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, that oh, went geez. places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, carry on, carry on. He's huge. The largest man Becky has ever seen. He's a great hawking beast with a dirty beard and a red shaggy coat. His big boots clomp as he enters the room and small figures scurry around his feet, squeaking in high, desperate voices. Dinner! He bellows at one of these figures and the little things hop to life. This reminds Becky, who hasn't eaten in hours, that she is starving. Now, with an adult present, she feels that it's time to make her feelings known. That's real dumb, Becky. Yeah. You shouldn't have done that. God, babies are so dumb. <laughs> the tantrum bubbles up from inside her, larger and more furious than any she's ever had before. Even that time Daddy accidentally trod on her toe has nothing, nothing on her anguished fury now. She shrieks loud enough for her roar of childish anger to be heard all around the cavern. Her rough cry echoes back and she realizes for the first time, still in the midst of her tantrum, that the room had gone very quiet when the fat man entered. She certainly catches the attention of the fat man. Her he booms. Becky may not be the cleverest child in the world, but she notices the gasps coming from around her from what must be the other children in these cages, too. What did the gasp meant? She soon begins to guess, though, because the little figures that had been running around on the ground are climbing up on the frame in front of the cages and coming toward her. The whole metal framework shudders under their hops and jumps, and all too soon the first one has reached her. She backs away from it the moment she sees it properly. It's not human. It's a little monster. She didn't get a proper look at the elf in her room, but this is another one, and she instinctively knows that it's a very bad thing to have around her. Its animalistic little face is shadow, and Becky backs away, realizing with a start that the wall behind her is made of ice. She shudders in alarm as she touches it, and has no choice but to jerk forward into the tight, moon-crushing grip of the elf who has now unlocked the cage, and now that he has her wrist, he's dragging her down. Becky would ordinarily be scared of such an enormous climb, but she's too overwhelmed by terror to do more than cling onto the thing as she's pulled down toward the ground. When they reach it, she feels fractionally better to be on the damp, wet floor. At least she's not in the cage anymore. Around her, the cries and weeping seem to have started up again. She's dragged toward the fat man, and she knows at once that tantrums will not help her now. Somewhere in her narrow, three-year-old brain, Becky knows nothing on earth can help her as she sees the blood dripping from his beard and the stained blood-red fur he wears. Ah, 
he booms when she's presented to him. Dinner! He picks her up in one hand, as easily as he had his sacrificial elf, and lifts her toward the bonfire. The End <laughs> this was a good book yeah this was interesting i liked it i i broke from tradition on this one there were a lot of typos and things that were just clearly misprints uh plurals where there shouldn't have been or words missing letters right. things like that um typically i try to read the book exactly as it's presented to me but I felt like this one, the story was good enough overall that uh, I didn't want to necessarily distract from it. So, you know, in interest of full disclosure, this Edwin Eve probably could have benefited from having someone go over this and edit it before he put it up for publication. Right. But yeah, I, I liked this a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, very atmospheric. Mm -hmm. Dialogue was the weakest part of it. Right. You know, like the, the things that people said, every single bit of it just didn't sound like things that people would actually say. Yeah. But it got the point across. You know, you, you, you get the idea. It's a spoiled, loud, bratty little child and the mm -hmm. suffering, tired parents who are just trying to do their best to make their child stop being loud and screamy. Right. I mean, dusting some knuckles does the job for me. <laughs> as far as I can tell, the fact that the, the writer wrote this, published it, and then never published anything again suggests that they were working something out. It could be, yeah. I mean... They, they had some emotions that they were dealing with, maybe toward their own child, who knows. Or the elves discovered that they had been found out and remedied it. Well, I really hope that's not the case, because if so, this might be our last episode. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> I, I definitely get the impression that this was a story that someone, like, again, you know, he hasn't written anything else, he or they, mm -hmm. seemed to be a fairly, either this person had a child and thought if you don't shut the fuck up, mm. I am going to throw you in a fire. Yeah. Or they, I, yeah, it had a late night stroke of inspiration, bound out of bed and wrote this all in a go and then threw it up on Amazon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the fact that it's riddled with typos suggests that this is a, an outpouring of, of right. some kind of feeling. And I mean, it's it's very atmospheric. It's very interesting. I think the idea that Father Christmas, and they never say Santa Claus, no. which I think is interesting. I wonder if that's a UK thing. Yeah, I believe it is. Okay. I believe yeah. it is. I think it's a fused Krampus Santa Claus creature. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen or read the comic Happy. No. I've seen the uh, the Netflix show. Okay, yeah. Liked that a lot. I believe it. your recommendation I watched it. Probably, yeah. It was a good show. Yeah, it was very good. Both seasons, in fact. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. Although I think this is 
slightly earlier than that. If this came out in 2015, you said? Uh, yeah, 2015. Okay. So, I mean, the, the comic would have already existed, but this would predate the show. So, reminds me of Santa Claus in that show. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, kinda. yeah, I can connect that for sure. I mean, that in and of itself is interesting, and there's a lot that we could talk about and a lot to sort of unpack about just Santa Claus in general as a figure and uh, why it seems like nowadays the subversions of Santa Claus are more popular and more common than any sort of like played straight Santa. Mm -hmm. Have we reached a point in society where we are no longer interested in simple joy and giving? Is it all about uh, cynicism and terror and remixing the old classics and turning them into scary things? I mean, I, I think because we, we talk about like the cannibalization of nostalgia on the right. show occasionally and and there's definitely that but but i do think like if you scroll you know any streaming service you'll see you know things that have been made in the last few years that are straight-faced you know christmas content for children sure i just watched jingle jangle and i highly recommend it yeah. to everyone it I was it was a lot of surprisingly fun. good yeah it was just charming and fun it had nothing to do with santa claus nothing to do with santa mm. claus at all but uh was definitely a Christmas story and was was cute, you know? It was just a good time. Yeah. So I think there's still some, for lack of a better word, Christmas magic still out there. Sure. But I mean, Santa Claus as a figure is almost wholly a production of the Coca-Cola company anyway. Oh, yeah. All marketing. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, the the figure of the fat man with the white beard and the red coat, that's all that's all Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Prior depictions of well, I mean, Saint Nicholas or Father Christmas didn't look like that. So Right. The real question is is did Saint Nicholas sock someone in the mouth at the Council of Nicaea? I choose to believe yes. <laughs> <laughs> he also probably had sex with that girl that he gave gold to to get her out of jail <sighs> well this was an episode of Brainworms. bye everybody <laughs> real quick the three stories that we've read this month there's nothing to directly contradict the idea that they're all in a shared universe well and, and i've chosen to believe disagree. That they are yeah that the first two the first two could are obviously in a shared universe so <laughs> santa steps out came first mm -hmm. And then, get it? And then Rudolph the Red-Nosed Butt Raptor was the additional things that St. Nick started adding into his crew once he was, you know, fucking sure. all the time. <laughs> and then this is a different take altogether. This is a different universe where Santa Claus eats bad children mm -hmm. and elves are evil, shape-shifting monsters. Sure. Um, I could definitely see the evil perversion of Santa that's in this existing in the same universe as Santa steps out. Well, yeah, just not the same Santa. Well, they never explicitly call yeah. it Santa. They just call it the fat man. That's true. I guess toward the beginning, they say something along, uh, let me see here. Whatever, Joe, you get your way. Santa's horny and violent. <laughs> <laughs> 
so that you could achieve your rush lyrics or the bush lyrics song uh <laughs> cohesion with brain worms bush and rush no, no. are very different bands they are. they are they are i've only ever seen one of those bands live was it rush no that's tragic yeah i would love to see rush well, I never will now, but I would have loved nope. to have seen Rush live. They're not a band that I listen to regularly, but I do feel like they'd put on a very good show. Yeah, I like Rush. I really only like Caress of Steel and almost specifically the Necromancer. Sure. Rush is variety, asshole. <laughs> if I'm going to listen to progressive, like old progressive stuff, I'm probably going to go more towards uh, Genesis with uh, Peter Gabriel. Sure. I know why that is. Because of Brian Davis. Because of Brian Davis. Who did the music <laughs> for our program? Yep. Thanks, Brian. Um, did, did you confirm what you were trying to about the them using the word Santa earlier in the book, David? Uh, they never used Santa, and I was looking to see. They really, he says at the beginning, he, like all parents, doesn't believe in Father Christmas, and so the idea of elves seems preposterous, and then <laughs> goes on to talk about... Uh, elves existing but they're actually monsters um and then it's just their master is all you know the the master of elves so sure is it is it krampus is it saint nicholas santa claus father christmas is it just some terrifying cannibalistic demon force that lives in the cold places of the earth i don't know but I'm terrified and yeah. glad I'm not think, three. Yeah, for a lot of reasons, really. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, um, do we have anything else to discuss? No. No? No. Cool. Um, you know, happy whatever you do or don't celebrate. Thank you for uh, enjoying our program. Don't, don't forget to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com where we will happily shovel more of our content into your ear holes like hungry baby birds wait are there are we the hungry baby birds that are shoveling things into no, their no, ears the, or are we we're the the mother bird fe feeding our our content sausage into their gaping ear mouths good good that's a <laughs> that's a good image for me to carry throughout the rest of the day yep that's uh something for you to think about thanks joe yep yeah i'm not thinking about anything <laughs> that's good that's good yeah i've already uploaded my consciousness and uh that's finishing up right now all right i'm gonna go unplug and jump in the furnace have fun right, happy holidays everybody bah humbug this has been a production of Brainworms Presents. Any copyright content contained within is used for purposes of review. Brainworms Podcast is David Combs, Kane Magdalene, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. The theme music is Hodgepodge Number no. 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at wegiveyoubrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app. I love you. <laughs>